there were a number of episodes that had like Roman gods in them. There was one who mourns for Adonis where they found Apollo and he's like, we were aliens and now I'm lonely. Is that the one of which I speak where they turn him into a necklace? I don't think they turned the enterprise into a necklace in that. They met so many gods on that show. Anyway, all that to say Roman empire planet. It wasn't like, Oh, aliens abducted Romans. It was like, Weird. Convergent evolution. This planet has evolved into the Roman Empire. Huh. And they also have a Jesus. Make of that what you will. Infinite universe, man. Yeah. Uh, Monkeys. That is not the case with Nazi planet. Nazi planet is some fucking AWOL Federation admiral really loved Hitler and went and like started a colony on this planet. (laughs) So it wasn't like Look, they have Nazis here too. Infinite universe. It was like literally some guy was like, you know what I'll do? I'll take my swastikas and go elsewhere. <laughs> um, so you must understand, my great, great, great grandfather was a producer on a television show known as Hogan's Heroes. <laughs> I thought you were going to say anything from Fox News. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what was the episode where they go through a Portal might be through time. There's, uh, I'm pretty sure you've named the episode to me. In City the on the Edge of Forever? That's the one. Yeah, yeah. Now, that episode, the original episode. Like so many, of, I think that one might have been written by like Harlan Ellison or something. Okay. Um, that tracks. I, I know like 20, 25 episodes were written by bitchin' writers. There, a, b- a bunch of those original series ones had great authors uh, behind them. And then, like, they reused some of those unused scripts in The Next Generation, and it just didn't work because it was the 80s. And it's like, this feels both racist and sexist in a (laughs) really troubling way. (laughs) Everyone's horny and angry at minorities. That doesn't seem like what we want here in the future. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, it it didn't quite work out. Um, But they figured it out, and we got seven, six, seven seasons of Next Generation. I tapped out so early. I think I got three or four seasons in before I would just pick up an episode here or there. That's where it got. That's where it got good. I mean, it was good after season three is when it got good. But even towards towards the latter half of the series, there's a lot of like really aggressively goofball episodes that are still pretty fun. What was the uh, or premiere date? Was it like 87, 88? Somewhere Sounds in there. Sounds about right. 87, I think. Yeah, so season three, I would have been about 20, 21. So I just started hitting that getting out and partying age and started uh, <laughs> not paying as much attention to TV. I got uh, cool is what happened. <laughs> and I no longer had time for Star Trek. <laughs> Uh, or at yeah, least no, to admit enough. that I watched Star Trek. <laughs> when I was a kid, it was Star Trek Voyager, and it, I think it was at 9 p.m., and I think that's when my TV time cut off. How old were you at the time? I was probably like eight or nine. My mom would go through these periods in my youth where she would be influenced by whatever child-rearing habits her friends were, were implementing. Sure. And she would only be able to stick with anything for a couple of months at tops. But one of them, when I was give or take around that age, was putting me to bed at 830 at like eight, nine, yeah. 10 years old, somewhere in that mix. And that went on for about a year. And I would be put to bed before the sun went down <laughs> and I wouldn't see, watch anything that was on, you know, on primetime television while I listened to them watching primetime sure. living room from the living. Yeah. And you're just you're you're sitting there like looking directly into the blazing sun like, all right, sleepy time, I guess. 
And then I'd look over to this old fashioned flip clock I had on my bed stand, if you remember those. Uh -huh. Just, yeah. Every minute, just waiting for that click. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was, uh, I want to say Star Trek Voyager was Wednesday nights at nine. I don't know. Anyway. Hi, Dad. Yeah. <laughs> Happy I, Halloween. I have to. I have to. I have to redress a little bit of um, a little bit of uh, an error that I've been making in the past. Whenever I've like made fun of our listenership and been like, the only person who listens to this is my mom. It's not my mom. It's my dad. My dad is the only one who listens to this, <laughs> and I think my brother sometimes. So, hi, Dad. Thanks for listening. Can't wait to have you on again. <laughs> I listen to my episodes. That's all I ask. <laughs> if, if everybody did I that. I don't really listen to my episodes. What was that? Nothing. Wait a minute. You're dead. You'll be dead for 30 years. Bi-monthly. At best, it's fine. <laughs> Bi-monthly. It's, it's like, you know, once or twice a month. I mean, we're we're ramping up for the October. Like once or twice every one or two months. Well, sometimes it's bi-monthly <laughs> one way, sometimes it's bi-monthly the other way. Um, <laughs> and speaking of things that are bi one way or bi the other, it's not a good segue. No. Speaking of things that swing both ways. No. <laughs> Uh, okay, well, this is all unusable. Um, speaking of boring conversations about Star Trek movies that you overheard once, you're listening to Boohaha, a bi-monthly, quarterly, sometimes weekly podcast that is ostensibly about ghosts, but more often than not about tangents and uh, lists of Star Trek movies that I really would like you to watch and email me about, but it's fine. Every week, month, quarter-ish, I drag my nearest and or dearest to beautiful Lone Fir Cemetery here in Portland, Oregon, where we are beset by knife-wielding weirdos, lawn mowers and ladies doing witchy photo shoots where they light off really gnarly fucking smoke bombs among the funerals that are happening. This week, the nearest and or dearest that I have unceremoniously dragged to this increasingly dangerous place is the hilarious Michael Garcia. Welcome. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> well, I am so excited to be here. Um, it will be very convenient to bury my body when we're done. This is the, the benefit of recording in the cemetery is we don't have far to go. <laughs> yeah, so uh, let's unpack Knife Guy. How much have you gotten into that on the podcast? We haven't really talked about Knife Guy that much on the podcast. Um, basically what the listener, hello, dad, um, knows is that there is a guy who lurks around the cemetery near nightfall uh, with knives and he molests and uh, in the old style molest, like not, he's not. I'm from the seventies. There's only one kind of old style molest. <laughs> it's the Oliver Twist kind of molesting, not the um, everything since kind of molesting. Bothers and chases and, uh, and threatens people. Yeah, hooded, did I hear he's hooded? <clears throat> there, from the, from the ver there's been a couple accounts and I guess there's a couple known elements that it could be. Um, one of them is a, a creepy hooded guy. One of them is a guy who paints his face white and wears crow feathers in his hair. Who I, I have seen that gentleman. Yeah. He likes to hang out and have 
very loud conversations with the street in front of H Mart down the corner from my house. Out there practicing his soliloquies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, the the posts I've seen have refer to the guy as like wannabe the crow, kind of like semi-loser goth kind of thing. Do, does he perch on gravestones? He must. I would imagine. I <laughs> gotta, I sort of support it, I think. Look, Minus the knives. Yeah, I, I support people lurking in a cemetery for their own fun. As long as that fun doesn't negatively impact the people whose podcasts depend on this cemetery <laughs> for survival. Um, but uh, yeah, well, and it's, it's that thing where it's like, you know, is it some sad goth guy in a trench coat who like threatens yuppies with knives or is it like a person who is an actual threat? Because there, there is a bit of a, a spectrum there. Yeah, and then you get to the place is, are they a threat for simple like negative reasons that, that they're a bad person or are they dealing with some mental health issues that are just expressing outwardsly yeah. and then you got to kind of worry about is it and you know beyond that is it like a is it a scooby-doo type situation where they're just trying to scare the meddling teens away from the mausoleum that they're squatting in like i really like your your uh idea of it being chasing the yuck you know, th then I get into a place where I kind of support it. And it is that time of year where, where, you know. where the yuppies come out <laughs> to the cemetery. We we saw some doing a photo shoot. The people doing the photo shoot are currently walking away from us carrying a pumpkin and uh, a spooky witch's hat. And she is uh, in a bikini under the trench. <laughs> yeah, it's a bikini under the trench coat with like witchy heels, but then tube socks, like thigh high <laughs> tube socks. So I don't know exactly what you're going for here. Is it like spooky cheerleader? Um, so I, to get back to the yuppie thing, I'm uh, not sure if I've told you the, the story about when I was in Tahoe working at the, uh, the casino. And uh, me, I was about 19 at the time. And uh, me and my roommate lived right behind the casino, got super drunk one night. Uh, we were in the arcade because we were too young to be gambling on the floor. And we noticed there was these 90210 stickers for sale in like a little 50 cent uh, dispenser. Sure. So we decided to buy some of them to go put on all the rich cars in the parking lot. <laughs> so we buy them and realize, no, they're not stickers. They're actually trading cards. Oh. So we go back to our apartment and we get super glue. <laughs> <laughs> and we went around and super glued 90210 uh, cards to every Porsche and Cadillac, oh. Cadillac in the parking lot. Oh, I love it. Um, and then we broke into the casino that was shut down next door, but that's another story for another time. I feel like you told that one on this podcast and there was somebody in the basement. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Sleeping under the table that we climbed in on top of. Ugh. And then when we realized he was under the table, we had to climb back on top of it and go back out the same window. That was, Oh God. Uh, well, I mean, don't when, be a kid. Don't be a kid. Don't be, uh, don't break into an abandoned casino. Always break into an abandoned casino. The, that opportunity only comes once, maybe twice in a lifetime. And 50% of the time it's fatal. <laughs> <laughs> you are, as we have covered previously, eminently lucky to be alive. Um, uh, yeah. God looks out for the children and the drunks. Mm hmm. I'm going to say children of the corn. Um, <laughs> Halloween. Yeah. Uh, well, but, he who walks behind the rose looks yeah. out for them. It's just a pile of dirt. Um, <laughs> don't watch, spoilers. He just found himself uh, in the backyard of uh, the sentient pile of leaves in the backyard of Frackle Rock. Great. Now I Wait, can. 
Was he a god in there too? Didn't they go to that pile of leaves for advice constantly? Is it, is, are you proposing a Children of the Corn and Fraggle Rock extended cinematic universe? That is indeed what I'm <laughs> suggesting. Bring him the blood of the Outlander! Um, I don't dislike it. I, I feel like uh, you could throw in that weird pile of goop from Creepshow 2. Uh, oh, from the pond? Uh -huh. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so uh, we are recording under cover of day to avoid knife guy at the moment. So hopefully that won't be a concern. All we really have to contend with is tourists, photo shoots, and um, funerals that are actively in progress. So potential bagpipes, potential... Getting spit on by mourners, uh, casket hoppers. Potential get... spitting on mourners. Mm -hmm. Being dragged to hell. Um, Speaking of which, uh, <laughs> best funeral I've been to was my grandfather's. And you got dragged to hell after that, right? <laughs> oh, no, that was him. Um, uh, mariachi band in a Catholic church. And between each one of the prayers, they would sing the most beautiful, haunting mariachi music you've ever heard for just like 10 seconds in yeah. between each prayer. And it was glorious. And, Love it. Uh, it felt mystical and religious. Uh, as a non-believer, I... Got it for a second. Yeah. It, really, really powerful. It takes so little to make Catholicism fun. Like, I mean, really, you add you add some, like, good plaintive music. Honestly, throw in... You can just remove the molesting and you're halfway there. I mean, yeah. But, you know, it's like when you're remodeling a house, it's like, okay, are we going to fix the foundation or are we just going to repaint where the water has started to leak in? What's easier? You know, it's all about curb appeal. <laughs> the one thing that the Catholic Church needs is more curb appeal. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, even even like the mariachi, haunting mariachi music, even honestly just bringing back the uh, the spooky pipe organ. Cause you know, you got that, you got that one really low note that like you, you can't quite hear, but you register it physically and you're like, Oh, is that, do I, am I, I'm scared of God now. Um, <laughs> that's right. It's adjacent to the brown note. Mm -hmm. I believe in God. And also I shit my pants. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, Oh no, they're back for more. Oh God, she is. There's more of them oh now. God. Oh my God, there's like there's like four of them. Did a goth die? Is this <laughs> is a this, funeral? Is this a goth funeral? No, I think that this is like a sad group of friends who love the craft doing a photo shoot for one of their only fans. I, 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 want, I really was hoping to see like them release a, a cage of ravens. <laughs> <laughs> they swoop down and immediately just start pecking their eyes out. <laughs> <laughs> Bart did it, that bar right there. Is that what I, exactly what I had in my mind. <laughs> oh, well, so getting away from the horrors of watching somebody do a photo shoot for their spooky OnlyFans and into the horrors of the season, welcome, Michael, to the first episode of the 2021 Boo Ha Halloween Spooktacular Extravaganza. Oh. <sighs> There's going to be more sound oh, yeah. effects we'll, in the back, There right? will be more. I'm oh. going to lay some effects oh, on it. thunder. <laughs> I'm going to get the sheet metal out and shake it around. <laughs> very, very cool. Maybe get a musical saw playing. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Theremin. Get a... 
<laughs> yeah, cut, cut to me and my like one man band studio, but it's all like spooky foley stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I'm chopping heads of cabbage and shaking sheet metal. And one kazoo. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there are a lot of situations where if you were alone somewhere and you heard a kazoo, it would be trouble. Um, there was a movie, I think it might have been Bava, and maybe it's like a... Uh, the N New York Ripper, I think it might be called, where mm -hmm. the serial killer speaks in a Donald um, Duck voice <laughs> <laughs> as he murders people. Maybe you could even put in a sound effect we'll, from the we'll movie. Find, right we'll here. find a clip here. Thanks, future Avalon. Um, so, because it is the 2021 boo-ha, Halloween, spooktacustravaganza. We are going to be veering away from the standard, not terribly spooky book, and we are going to be taking a look at some genuinely, I hope, spooky tales. That would be such a change. <laughs> this like is, we're, we're, we're dipping into the card catalog here, guys. This is this is the culmination of like it, it's you, you've been like boy who cried wolf so many times. It's like it's not spooky. It's not spooky. And like now I like pull off my face and show you the fangs. <laughs> Want to see something spooks. scary? <laughs> so uh, every year, Jezebel, publication of note, solicits scary stories from their readers. And people go in and they type up scary things that have happened to them, leave them in the comments. And then the editorial team at Jezebel runs through, pick out the highlights, and then publish them for review. And what I have done over the last couple of weeks is run through those highlights and pick out the things that are super spooky. So I have a pretty extensive list here of readers submitted terrifying tales. And hopefully we can find something that's actually kind of terrifying. So. We are a little bit ahead of the curve here because I have already read through them and like this is a distilled list that I've pulled together. Probably for the best. Yeah. I mean, well, all of these stories are spooky. Some of them are a little bit like, you know, and then this scary thing happened and another scary thing happened. And I guess I'm just such a sensitive person because all of these scary things happen to me. And it's like, eh, okay, good. I'm making the jerk off hand gesture. Um, and a number of them are just things like, um, I went home and there was a man in the closet. That is a legitimate fear and very real. Genuinely, the, the scariest ones are just like, and then I came home and I saw the note on the table. <laughs> um, then I woke up and there was footprints <clears throat> on the table above me. Why am I working at this casino? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I've done a little bit of pre-selection to find the ones that are actually like, spooky scary and not just like oh no this is a terrifying indictment of the nightmarish patriarchal society in which we live so is there is it just a submitted story typed out by the by the the listener submitter whatever yeah. you refer to him as there's no interaction with somebody no editor cleaning it up <clears throat> um the editorial staff says in some cases the stories have been edited for um grammar and syntax so i think that they like they polish the the okay. thing a little bit, but it seems from what I've read, they aren't streamlining them too much. Fantastic. That being said, before we jump into that to refresh the listeners in case they haven't listened to any of your previous 42 episodes, um, belief in spookiness, where you at? Um, not at all now, 
as a child, I believed anything I read. So I believed in the devil and thought he was watching me till sure. I was like 11 or 12. Mm -hmm. Uh, it was at that point I started questioning religion, but got into weird spiritualism until I was about 18 or 19 and kind of went hard atheist at that point. Sure. But I have had a vast past full of weird religious beliefs and spiritual beliefs and experiences that got funky that uh, all just kind of uh, float in a cloud of weirdness above me. <laughs> and I pull from it when I need to and try to pretend it's not hanging there otherwise. Surrounded by a miasma of spooky mayflies. <laughs> uh, okay, so... Uh, so yeah, non-believer now, but super into it. Sure. Um, as I think tends to be the case. Increasingly, this is a podcast um, talking to spooky kids who are no longer spooky, but wish they were still spooky. So much, you know. <laughs> uh, they put me on Risperidol in the 90s. <laughs> so a lot of that went away. <laughs> All right, man. This should make your son a lot less, you know, spooky. <laughs> he might see less people. <laughs> in our experience with the children who, you know, can see the dead, this helps. <laughs> they don't have anything good to say <laughs> at all. <laughs> Fuck, my nights were so awful. Uh, Mom, they're coming. <laughs> Again. First they visit you from the window, but eventually they're in the room. Then they're in your dreams. <laughs> Listeners, you can't hear me just silently screaming. So I think we're going to stick to a similar formula um, wherein I give you some names uh, and let you kind of pick and choose. These are a little bit shorter, so we can probably do a couple, but okay. we'll run through it. Um, so, uh, we have A Haunted House, The Ride Home. To The Haunted House. Correct. The Devil in the Coal Mine. Well, that's definitely getting ready. <laughs> Wrong turn. <laughs> On the ride home to the house. <laughs> By the Devil's Coal Mine. <laughs> Uh, and fire! Um, Devil in the Cold Mountain. We also, oh. there, there is one more. The Old Gray Thing. We're gonna, we're gonna start with the Devil in the Cold Mountain. Right. And we're gonna end with the Old Gray Thing. Alright, perfect. Then we'll, Which we'll... floats in a cloud above <laughs> It's blocking my light. This is a story that doesn't involve me. <laughs> Avalon? <laughs> <laughs> um... But it really does freak me out. I, love, I, I, do, I really talk up like it's people submitting their own personal ghost stories. And the first thing is like, I heard this once. Uh, I was at a bus stop. <laughs> these folks were having a conversation on the bench next to me. <laughs> I was in a cemetery and these ladies were shooting some spooky photos for their OnlyFans. Then um, I took my Risperidol and they weren't even there. <laughs> um, I never knew my grandfather on my mom's side but I always heard that he was a strong, frightening, yet loving kind of man. George C. Scott? <laughs> There's a carp in my bathtub. <laughs> um, <clears throat> he was the kind of guy that you wouldn't want to get on the wrong side of. George C. Scott. Yeah, but would also protect you without hesitation. It is George C. Scott. <laughs> in, unless you're a little girl who can start fires with her mind. My mom would always tell me stories about him in order, to, in order for me to have some kind of connection with him. He seemed to be a lighthearted and boisterous man who was friends with almost everyone, but he did seem to be the type of no-nonsense guy who was not easily spooked. For this reason, it was surprising to find that there was one story that my mom refused to tell, and I knew it only as 
my grandfather's experience. Fuck yeah, I'm in. <laughs> Let's go, Grandpa. When I pestered my brother for him to tell me, he's quite a bit older than me, so he was entrusted with the story a few years before. He said that it gave him nightmares for a week and that I should never ask my mom about it again. And for 10 years, I didn't. But I'm a sucker for anything creepy or scary. So one rainy day a few weeks ago, I brought it up. My mom looked at me and said, are you sure you want to know? Oh, boy. <laughs> so before I start, let me show you this watch. Great grandfather gave this watch to granddad for good luck. I love that that's all we needed. <laughs> I nodded and she proceeded to tell me. Apparently, my grandfather worked in a coal mine through the 50s to the 70s and was well respected through the community. Coal mines were notoriously dangerous, and men quite often died deep within those shafts. Still true to this day. Capitalism. One time, one day, three men had suffocated at the mine, and they were brought to the surface, wrapped in sheets, and sent off to be buried. My grandfather had the unfortunate job of collecting their clothes and burning them. A horrible task for someone who knew the men as friends. He decided to go down to the coal pit after work, just as dusk was falling, in order to not be disturbed while he completed this macabre task. The so do you think burning of the clothes is something that's traditionally done for safety reasons for people who have left a coal mine, or is this some weird religious thing? I wonder. I mean, I guess maybe if these dudes were all single fellas, as I mean, I mean, I'm just going off of like, you know, people who like work oil rigs and shit, like, you right. know, you're a single dude trying to get some money or something. Maybe there was no next of kin to take the... Clothes. Or it could be that, you know, their jumpsuit, like saturated in coal dust. Nobody, they figure nobody would want them. Yeah, throw them in the trash. They may be Catch flammable. Fire. Yep. Okay. <clears throat> Kill the canaries. I mean, maybe just leave the bodies in there, take care of two birds with one stone. <laughs> the clothes were in the lamp room, a long, wide chamber that was lit solely by a red security light at the door. It extended so far that the last quarter of the place was plunged into complete darkness with no end to the room in sight. My grandfather spotted their clothes. He headed towards them and bent down to grab them. As he extended his arm, he heard a slight sound coming from the end of the room. Sort of swish, and then a pause, and a swish, and then a pause. Is it the dark end of the room? Can you see anything? I think it's the dark end of the room. I would assume. It'd be weird if it was like right by the door, like, hi! <laughs> Behind him the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> Are you stealing my pants? My grandfather turned carefully towards the end of the corridor and spotted one of the lamps, now lit, swaying at the center of the room. It's about 20 feet from where he was standing. The noise, however, was not coming from the lamp, but instead what was holding it. He saw an eight-foot-tall, waif-like figure lingering in the dim light, hunching slightly under the low ceiling. Its cloven feet stepped silently towards the opposite end of the room, its head partially obscured by the lamp's glow. But even then, it was clear that his head was sweeping from side to side, searching, tracking, smelling. Are you throwing away those pants? Can I eat them? <laughs> <laughs> um, my grandfather left the clothes, backing through the door and booking at home. According booking to at home. He's like 15. <laughs> Beat it, it's the fuzz. I mean, you, it's the 50s and it's a coal mine. He's probably 15. <laughs> <laughs> That's why he's the foreman. Yeah. <laughs> well respected. 
<laughs> he ran home, as did the kid whose shoulders he was sitting on in the trench coat. <laughs> um, according to my mom, my grandfather was not a religious man. And any mention of a ghost in the house before would simply be nonsense thought up by an overexcited child. Before that incident, he was as skeptical as they came. But that night changed him. He became more quiet, reserved, and started having horrific night terrors that he chalked down to stress at work. He only told my mom about 10 years after it happened, when my grandmother happened to mention it to her sister. My mom says that my grandfather finished his story with these words. I don't believe he was there for me that night. I believe he was searching for the souls of the men who died. He could smell their clothes. All I know is that if he'd looked directly at me, dead in the eyes, I would have taken their place. I don't agree with Grandpa. You weren't there. Yeah, well, that's true. <laughs> I mean... Sounds like he was only there for a few moments. It probably seemed like longer. I would imagine... <clears throat> you know, it, it depends. Like, you occasionally you will be in a situation with an animal or something like you'll be walking down the street and you see an agitated raccoon and you have a good sense of like, I'm probably fine. Or if I get into this thing's field of vision, it's probably going to come at me. Well, you know, now that you couch it in that framework brings up a story of my own that does support that as any listener of previous episodes knows whatever subject we're talking about i have a story on that uh -huh. subject i am half a century fucking old now. um i was living in lake tahoe mm -hmm. my friend saeed who you've met at our yeah, shows yeah. uh lived down the street about 200 yards from me and it was during the summer and i had made a stew that i was going to carry from my house down to his cabin and uh, we used to have a bear that visited our street nightly. We called him Ellis, which was short for L.S. Land Shark. It was a big fun pun kind sure. of thing. Sure, yeah. And he had a limp and a big-ass scar across his face. He was kind of like a neighborhood celebrity. Like that bear in the great outdoors. Remember? Don't like it. Haven't seen it. Only a few minutes. We've had that conversation, so I don't know that bear. But now that I know he's got a scar, I've got to check it out. It's the bald-headed killer bear of the North Woods. Wow. It's a fun movie. They don't chase me! <laughs> oh, fuck. Yeah. yeah, I'm on board. All right, <laughs> let's do it. But, um, so this one, and the bear had a routine. He'd come down our street like at 9 p.m. every night. He would cut off to these restaurants that were one street off. And uh, this night, I'm leaving my apartment or in, in my house uh, with my stew, walking down to the cabin. I know it sounds so with my stew. It's, it I mean, literally was a stew. <clears throat> with tomatoes and <laughs> fake beef. <laughs> so I'm walking and I hear this yelling down the road and the street, very, very dark. And there was just a couple of street lamps that would have that pool of light, that oasis of, of, of vision, and then just inky blackness between those. Yeah. And I'm walking along and I hear Saeed yelling from a distance, oh, what's that? And as I'm walking along, down past one of these pools of light, maybe 50, 60 feet ahead of me, I see like a dark shape moving, coming towards the light. And that's when I hear Saeed's voice with, you know, I clearly understand what he's yelling and it's, go back home. <laughs> and the bear steps into the light and he's like 50 feet ahead of me. And I usually wasn't that worried when I saw him because he usually ignored everybody because he just had his thing. But now you have stew. But I have stew in my hand, 
and it's almost a shot from a film. He steps into the light and he looks up and sniffs the air and then looks at me. <laughs> he starts, the just, smell of the stew goes into his nose and it picks him up <laughs> and he starts floating towards you. <laughs> so I look at him and then I turn and I look back at my house and I am like evenly between both locations. Sure. So I set the stew down in the street uh -huh. and I walk backwards about 50 feet back yep. to my house. He walks through the uh, oasis of light. Sure. And I see his silhouette for a moment and then I don't see him at all. So I go and I get my car and I drive back to the stew, which he hasn't come to bother. Sure. And I put the stew in my car and drive it, you know, the extra 150 feet to <laughs> Saeed's house. Bring it in. We all get drunk. The next, uh, when the night's over, I have to walk home and leave my car there because I'm so drunk. It's 200 feet. You're fine. I know. And pe but people start texting. Are you in jail? What, why is your car at Saeed's house? It's like, no. There's a bear. A bear attack. It's a whole thing. But yeah. So yeah. So you can identify with grandpa. Yeah, I'm on board. He, yeah. I, I believe it. <clears throat> I, you know, I, we rate these stories. Um, I, I'm going to say fine. It's a spook. It's a, it's a spooky idea to see the devil coming. Also, what did those coal miners do that the devil was coming for him? Well, that's that's kind of the most troubling thing. And also... Do we know he's the devil? I mean, I know that's in the title, but could he just be the Grim Reaper? I so I, Waif-like? I did skip over a sentence here because it felt a little bit much. Um, the source of that sound, the only one in the room, came from the stone floor where a thick forked tail slid in time with its step. Swish, swish, swish. It was the devil. Yeah, a little on the nose. Yeah, that's why I, I excised it. Um... So it, it, I guess as an additional interesting wrinkle, it's interesting that the devil was coming for those dudes. And also that grandpa was like, I can't let him see me. Otherwise he's going to get me. Maybe grandpa knows that he's a bad person. <laughs> Do we know what year it took place again? Because he, between he worked the, there fifties and to between 70s? the fifties and the seventies. Yes. Well, then we can almost guarantee they're bad people. <laughs> They're all white. They all yeah. work in West Virginia. Fuck those dudes. Uh, yeah, best case scenario, they have murdered some Nazis. Uh, worst case scenario, they've murdered a lot of like Vietnamese children. <laughs> um, so I'm I'm going to give that one um, three out of five. I think that might be Knife Man. It's eh, here under the cover of day, and we're probably fine. Um, we could take them down. We've seen surviving edged weapons. We know to run. <laughs> I was going to say, it's all about distance. <laughs> um, um, yeah, I'm going to give that one three out of five dead, secretly evil coal miners. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm going to give that one two out of five knife-wielding maniacs. <laughs> <laughs> but it may be three in a moment we'll as this man <laughs> tracks closer to us. We'll see. Um, man, it, I drop like five degrees. Yeah, that's the ghost. Um, all right, so yeah, that was... <laughs> he smells us. Yeah. <laughs> swish, swish. Oh, the devil's coming for me. Um, so yeah, okay, that was, that was fine. Not the spookiest, but it's a start. It's something. <laughs> 
I, I will contend the reason it was not spooky was it was hearsay. I want to hear it from the horse's mouth. Let's go to the gray thing or whatever the fuck that was called and, and, and get it. The old gray mare? She ain't what she used to be. We'll cut in that, that scene from The Simpsons here. Um, <sighs> the old gray thing. I've got one I call the old gray thing that I always forget to post. <laughs> It's a yearly thing, and I guess they just keep forgetting. Um, this was a paranormal encounter, but I'm still not sure what exactly it was. And I've always been curious if anyone else has seen anything similar, too. Okay, um, hang on. First, I just want to start with that is a very objective way to be looking at your weird paranormal uh, uh, interactions. Yeah. To, you know, I'm not sure what it was. Maybe, uh, maybe I've got psychological issues. Sure. Maybe I was having an acid flashback. Maybe <laughs> someone was fucking with me. It's, uh, I, I, it's always good when somebody goes into it with a, uh, who knows something spooky happened. Got any ideas? Yeah. I am so on board. Yeah. So I lost my home and my job in Hurricane Katrina in 2005. <laughs> this is a scary story. Uh, end of story. The old, <laughs> the old great thing is George W. Bush. Um, I returned to New Orleans a month later to salvage my possessions, and I found a job doing disaster relief for FEMA. Oh, man. Since about 80% of the city's housing was destroyed. Jesus. Really? Is that? Or maybe I bet it's probably within. housing. Yeah. I'm betting it's within like a certain city limits yeah. kind of thing. You know, everything that was under the uh, sea level, probably yeah. 80% makes sense. Um, Ugh, horrifying. Fucking right. Um, it was nearly impossible to find a safe, clean, and affordable place to live. After sleeping in my car and on friends' couches for several weeks, I found a furnished studio apartment in the French Quarter at a surprisingly low price. Um, it was filthy, infested with roaches, and had creepy art all over the walls. But it was my only housing option, so I rolled up my sleeves, enthusiastically cleaned and repainted, and moved in. <laughs> this is a fun preamble to Joe's apartment. <laughs> <laughs> Everything was fine until around Thanksgiving, when someone delivered flowers to the apartment. The card read, Dear, insert man's name, rest in peace, love your family. Uh... I figured somebody had delivered them to the wrong address, but they looked pretty, so I took them inside and put them in a vase. <laughs> Don't someone, do that! Someone left a pizza on my doorstop, and I brought it in and had dinner. <laughs> the pizza said, to my dead son. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I later told one of my neighbors about the odd delivery, and he went pale and said, oh, no, you, you shouldn't have taken those inside. He then informed me that a very depressed young man had lived here about a year ago and had hung himself one night in the apartment. The ceiling didn't have enough drop. The ceiling didn't have enough drop room to break his neck, so he slowly strangled. The neighbors heard him choking and kicked, uh, heard him choking and kicking the wall in agony, and they eventually broke down the door. But it was too late. His windpipe was crushed, and he died in the apartment. After that, the new tenants complained of paranormal activity, so nobody had stayed more than a month or two. They all broke the lease abruptly and left, usually leaving all of their possessions behind, which is why I got it cheap and furnished. His parents believed his spirit was still there, and so they regularly delivered flowers or gifts to the home, but the neighbors had agreed never to take them inside. 
since it seemed to make the activity worse. <laughs> Parenthetically, would have been nice to get the memo, but okay. Yeah, tell your new neighbors. It's like, hey, you're living in a place with ghosts, so don't take flowers inside. You could even just post, like, tack a note on the door. Yeah. Just to inform Don't accept any ghost presents. Um, but also, just like logistically, if you the, the note said, rest in peace, leave them outside. Not for you. Obviously. Yeah, clearly. This person is a bad person. But they just lost a lot in Hurricane Katrina. Whatever. We'll give them the benefit of the doubt. So, not long after that, I also began to experience paranormal activity. Uh, I woke up hearing a loud, rhythmic thumping noise. At around having sex. Yep. At around the same time every night, right where the guy had hung himself. Um, all of the flowers and plants in the apartment would wither and die within a few hours of me bringing them inside. Well, that's why they have to keep sending them. Um, objects would move on their own, and anything I hung in the walls would somehow unscrew themselves and crash to the floor. Um, some nights, the beaded curtain between the kitchenette and the main room would move on its own, like someone was walking through it. It was creepy, but I decided to endure it since there was really nowhere else to live. <laughs> the rent's cheap. Yeah. <laughs> You'd be surprised how much ghost most people can accept. Um, I'm superstitious, but I'm also a pragmatist. Uh, <laughs> and I felt sorry for the young man who died a horrible, lonely death and whose spirit was now trapped within the walls. I would often speak out loud to him, read the notes his family sent, and basically try to be friendly. I was just going to suggest trying that. Yeah. Very cool. Um, the neighbors told me that he probably enjoyed having a friendly young woman his own age around. Um, and I even created a small area for him with the objects that I thought would bring him comfort. Now that sounds like you're inviting. Risky, trouble. risky, yeah. risky. Uh, this turned out to be a big mistake. Yep. The bizarre activity continued to escalate over months and I became more and more depressed. Uh, it wasn't just the apartment. I was working long hours, the city was beyond fucked up, and my disaster relief job was traumatic. Everything culminated in a visit from an old friend, a self-described skeptic and atheist, uh, in the spring of 2006. After one night in my apartment, he moved into a hotel and said, you shouldn't stay in that place anymore, there's something bad there. <laughs> um, uh, a few that's when I began using a Ouija board by myself. <laughs> Don't do it! <laughs> um... A few days later, I was assigned to a nursing home to help the residents process their disaster relief applications. And an elderly lady I was working with suddenly stopped mid-process and said, God is giving me a word for you, young lady. Uh, you're in danger, and if you stay where you are any longer, you'll die. Huh. Kind of like one of those cancer-smelling cats. Exactly, but in reverse. This time, it's the old lady who's telling you, you're gonna die. Ah, I love it. In post-Katrina, New Orleans, old lady tell you, you die. <laughs> <laughs> um, <clears throat> by that point, I was thoroughly freaked out. I called my landlord and told her that I appreciated the cheap place, but that I had to move. She said, I'm not really surprised. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm not releasing you from the lease. You owe me $12,000. Fuck. Um, I arranged to move in with a friend until I could find a new place. Once I began packing, the activity seemed to escalate. The thumping got louder to the point where I couldn't sleep, and I also began to experience sleep paralysis. One night, I woke up around the same time that the thumping usually started, but the room was dead quiet. The beaded curtain started moving, but this time something came through. It was human-shaped, but it wasn't human. Its body was gray and faded out, like static or smoke. Holy shit. 
It had no hands or feet or face, and it moved in an unsettling way, shuffling and stooped and jerky, like something very old struggling to walk. I lay there frozen in fear as it moved slowly across the room, eventually standing by the bed right next to my face. It leaned over until it was inches above me. It let out a strange high-pitched screech and then whispered something softly. I can't remember exactly what it said, but it was something intended to be comforting, like, don't worry, baby. That! But in, it, in its best Austin Powers delivery. Do I make you honey, baby? <laughs> <laughs> that was Austin Powers, but also old and spooky. Um, <laughs> Modern Austin yeah. Powers. <laughs> it's, yeah, Gong show era Mike Myers. <laughs> um, oh, boy. <clears throat> as it breathed into my ear, a wave of cold, dark, clammy dread washed over my body. It was the worst sensation I've ever felt in my life. And all I can describe it as is the feeling of suicide, of dying alone in the dark, in the terror, with no comfort. Fuck me. It then faded into the wall and disappeared. I jumped out of bed, turned on all the lights, and spent the rest of the night frantically packing and throwing things into my car. I was out by morning, and I slept at my friend's house that night. Early the next morning, I woke up on her couch, unable to move. There was a doorway on the wall that shouldn't have been there. It turned out, parenthetically, that there had once been a physical doorway there, but it had been plastered over. <laughs> I don't like that. Um, uh, yeah, the, uh, I'm going to get into it in a minute mm -hmm. when we finish, yeah. but this story is very affecting and I am legit scared at this moment. Yeah. That old gray thing came through the doorway, creeping into the room with the same weird jerking movements. It leaned over me again until it was lying completely on top of me gently whispering nonsense in my ear. Oh, this is the gray thing I saw. Then it got up and left and the doorway disappeared. My friend woke up shortly afterward and said she'd had a horrible nightmare. I threw away every object I owned associated with that apartment and called my mother, a deeply religious woman, saying, I think a ghost followed me from my old place. I told her everything that had happened and she said, that is not a human spirit. That is something else pretending to be one. Fuck me. <laughs> oh, good God. She gave me the number of her priest who came to bless the apartment. And I've seen it a few times after that, but eventually it faded away. It seemed to lose power over me the longer I stayed away from the haunted apartment. Years passed and eventually I never saw it again. I still own one object from that apartment though, an artwork that was hanging on the wall when I moved in that I haven't been able to part with. It reminds me of that stressful time of everything that I went through and survived. It's an abstract print of a light colored piece of textile twisting across a black background. It is vaguely human shaped, but isn't. <sighs> End of story. Fantastic. <laughs> ah! And I have some very personal story connections to this. <laughs> We got, we got a lot of ground to cover. All right. I'm giving you one anecdote per story. <laughs> all right. All right. This story right here mm -hmm. ties into the real crazy, weirdly enough, where we were talking about the medication earlier. This leads to me taking it. <sighs> when I, so when I was about 12, I started uh, dealing with sleep paralysis. Occasionally. Just sure. rare. 
nothing very spooky about it, just very weird. I would wake up, couldn't move, struggle with it, fall back into my dream and just be perplexed. Sure. As I um, led into my teens, I started having anxiety issues. And that's when the sleep paralysis started to become uh, like malignant. It seemed dark. And I started seeing a figure. I would uh, fall asleep and wake up frozen, unable to move, yeah. seeing a dark figure in the distance. Initially, that's all it was. And I could feel a... A malevolent sense associated with it. I'd try to sit up, couldn't do it, would be frozen, yeah. try to scream, eventually be able to thrash my body up and like quiet scream, silent scream and, sure. and, and such. Then the character started coming into more and more focus. This was happening two, three, four times a week. Oh, you're fine. And when he started coming into focus, he looked like television static <laughs> with dark eyes that I couldn't see. That was like bat, like they looked sunken to me like a recess. Yeah. And which later I, I transposed to something else. I'll get to that in a second. And he had a giant smile and I started calling him smiley when yeah. I described him to friends. Well, yeah. No, thank you. <laughs> and it was becoming a regular thing. Now, this is uh, after I had left my punk rock druggy crew and I was hanging out with my goth LSD ecstasy crew and we were just really getting into all this stuff. Mm -hmm. So we started trying to communicate with Smiley in the real world where we would bring out our Ouija board. All right, let me <clears throat> pause you right there. Um, what's wrong with you? I, uh, I mean, you, you've listened to my stories so much. <laughs> There's so much wrong with me. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all right. But fine. Uh, granted, continue. <laughs> So about we, the worst choice anyone could ever make. Go on. Yeah, so uh, you've seen some of those practical magic books I have on my shelf. Mm -hmm. Those are from that era, and I believed in that shit at the time. And we did candle rituals. We did scrying with black pools of ink. So much stupid goth shit. I'm just, I'm just hearing like... Like Bella Lugosi's dead is playing in the back. It's like the opening to the hunger. <laughs> oh God, if only I had those cheekbones. But yeah, uh, so, so we were just leaning into it, reinforcing it, which just made it get fuller and fuller yeah. in my head. It's, it's not necessarily, regardless of the actual spoopernatural, spoopernaturality of it, the more you believe in it, the more it is a thing. Oh yeah. Yeah. And so eventually I start to, like just in life, I, I went and did some research, found out what um, sleep paralysis was, like the hypnojogit. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. I mean, really, that's, that's, that was my underlying thought. I think I've told you like for three years, I thought a demon was chasing me yeah. that we actually brought home from a cemetery because we did some stupid ritual in the cemetery that tied into this too. Same group of friends. Oh, man, I wish I just had had the ability to talk to people back then and explain my problems. <laughs> sure. It was only after I went to the emergency room on too much acid that I talked to a doctor about my anxiety and started taking medication. The doctor's like, um, yeah, you're on too many drugs. And have you tried, I don't know, Seroquel? <laughs> you're on too many drugs. Have you tried other drugs? Here you go. Um, 
So this will shake the devil out of you. <laughs> and it did. I was over it for a moment. Then I started reading Whitley Strieber, you know, communion, majestic 12. And that's when I made the connection. Oh, those aren't sunken eyes. Those are big black alien eyes. So then I thought I was being contacted by UFOs. <laughs> it's interesting to see, like whenever they talk about alien abductions and like, you know, belief in the supernatural and, and sleep paralysis and stuff, there is a, a, a gap in the cultural understanding of a society. And that gap is where sleep paralysis falls. And yeah. just the things that we fill the hole with, where it's like, it's, it's ghosts, it's witches, it's aliens. It's like, it's, it's a succubus sucking yeah, my, it, my breath out. Breath if you're lucky. <laughs> breath if you're unlucky. <laughs> I got succubus and I didn't even get a nut. <laughs> I got blue balled on a bus. <laughs> I, I got succubus and all I got was this cum stained t-shirt. <laughs> Eventually I just got a handle on it, learned how to walk myself down, you know, learned some strategies about sleep paralysis and the figure just kind of disappeared. Once you're no longer scared, it takes a lot of that um, dream uh, uh, malevolence and, and images and feelings that, cause I feel like you're just pulling from your subconscious. Yeah. And so if you're in a good place, there's nothing to put you in that like uh, flight or fight or flight kind of situation. Yeah. If you have, uh, if you have enough of an understanding of, of what's happening and you can, you know, brain splain it to yourself while you're waking up. I mean like, yeah. And that's exactly what it is. Yeah. I, I'll be okay. I am uh, experiencing sleep paralysis. I, things are going to be a little weird. Can I move my finger? Yeah. And I'll try to move my finger and slowly work my way out. And sometimes I can just be like, oh, you know, everything's fine. Let's see if I can lean into the dream and yeah. maybe go lucid with it. Yeah. That doesn't work well. For me, it was always... So the only sleep paralysis experiences I've had are um, coming out of like a lucid dreaming experience where I'm like... Because it's that thing where it's like, you know, you realize that you're in the dream, you start moving around controlling the dream. And inevitably, at least with me and I think a lot of other people who have lucid dreamed, the thing that wakes you up is that uh, you do things that are too exciting. Wink, wink. Um, usually it's like, you know, when you like try to fly or something or like you try to fuck um, and like you get physically excited and that wakes you up. And then for a moment you're like, ah, I can't move. So, so going into yeah. the sleep paralysis thing, it's rarely like I come out of a dream unconscious and like, I'm like, where am I? What's happening? Why can't I move? It's always like, ah, fuck. All I got was this cum stain t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> so less scary. I'm going to knock on wood because I know that now I'm going to go home tonight and I'm going to wake up and the old gray thing is going to be above me being like, don't worry, honey bear, nothing's going to get you. <laughs> Well, that's where this is all kind of going. Because uh -huh. uh, as my life got a little easier, less stressful, and I got better with uh, you know medications and things, sure. those issues kind of went away, and I didn't think much of it. And then that uh, director of this really fun um, documentary called Room 237 a yeah. few years back, mm -hmm. you remember, about The Shining? Yeah, yeah. His follow-up That bullshit. Yeah, all the bullshit. All, all the, bullshit. the stupid conspiracies. Love it. So good. So much fun. And I see where these crazies kind of get their I totally ideas. get it. I totally yeah. get it. But it's that track. it's it's a get like like the gap in our cultural awareness and understanding that is like where we put the sleep paralysis demons or the witches or the aliens. It's just 
like it's it's watching people pattern find. It's like watching an AI get trained to like recognize something where it's like Native American imagery, Native American imagery, Native American imagery. It must be about the conquest of the American West. Exactly. Yeah. Two plus two is five. Yeah. Um, so that director went on to do a follow-up documentary called The Nightmare, if I remember yes. correctly, yes. about sleep paralysis. And they interview different people who've experienced it, and then they try to recreate yeah. those experiences. Visually. Yeah. I'm watching this documentary at home alone, and one of those people sees Smiley, and they recreate it, and it's on my screen, and I'm like, oh my God, that's my demon. <gasps> and I got the worst chills, <laughs> had to get out of bed, turn off the movie, turn on all my lights. And I honestly think I texted you because I wanted to talk to someone <laughs> alive because it fucked me up so bad. Yeah. And I was like, everyone who I knew that knew this story that, because I would draw this fucker yeah. to show him to my friends. Uh -huh. And then they would tell me they were seeing him because they just wanted to be part of the narrative. Sure. But I just wanted to believe and believe in my friends. So yeah. they were just... I often wonder if they just kind of sat around and like, how far do you think we can push Mike? <laughs> you know, this is a setup for a really bad 80s horror film. Guys, I won't know what gaslighting is for another 20 years, but let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that's, I can think of nothing. It's that, that's the, I mean, it's, it's a little bit tempered by the fact that it is in a documentary about sleep paralysis and it being like a natural bodily phenomena and you probably lived in the same culture there's reasons why I'd be like, oh, I see a figure. It looks like a smiling guy. Like there's, I, I that's the patterns yeah. I was putting together in my brain when I had come down the next day yeah. and was like but, breaking it out. But having said that, that is the perfect scary story formula of like a thing happened to you when you were a kid, you become convinced that it was just bad dreams. And then later you see a fucking picture of it and somebody's like, oh yeah, that's a real thing. He escaped from the mental hospital years ago. Yeah. Nobody's seen him since. The one that you lived by. That your window face. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so um, that that story just tracks so much in line with it. And it's still, that's one of those places where I'm like, maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe there is something that, that's there that, that we're tapping into. You can't prove that it's not. Yeah. I mean, like, you know. Those are the things, like, whenever I get into it and someone tries to push on whether I'm agnostic versus atheist, it's yeah. like, well... Uh, you know, I, I'm atheist, but th these kind of moments le do lead you to kind of be like, well, maybe it's just how I'm perceiving. Maybe how yeah. I, I, yeah. And I'm always more willing to buy into something when there's like a, a, a cross cultural like um, precedent for it. And something like this where it's like, you know, it's like, does that, do people see ghosts? Yeah, kind of, but it's usually different and it's usually culturally specific. And like, we lay a lot of our own meaning on it, but something where it's like everyone across society, across culture, occasionally wakes up and sees a monster mm -hmm. and then they can't move. And the monsters all kind of look the same and behave the same. And then we wake up and, and we convince ourselves that it's not a thing. That's weird. Yeah, that, I mean, it, it, it is, uh, it's nice that we can kind of put 
you know, connect some dots. Maybe but it's still <laughs> mystical and, the, and, and, and different. And that the dots are still like, it's like, yeah, the mechanism for sleep paralysis. It's, it's like the reason you can't move, you're waking up. That's all reasonable. And your, your brain is potentially still processing stuff. But the fact that, I mean, by that logic, we all, our brains are all, you know, our dreams are all so different. Now, I, 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 do you remember, I think his name is Michael Shermer. He's like the head of the U.S. Atheist something or other, a skeptic society. Probably. He's one of those guys that would pop up on, on early politically incorrect episodes and stuff. And, sure. And I watched a little documentary thing he did about uh, people experiencing both uh, sleep paralysis and near-death experiences. Yeah. And they were putting this helmet with electrodes on it on people and turning it on to a certain, I don't know yeah, if yeah. it was a wavelength or whatever it was, There's, yeah. but they were recreating that, uh, that sleep paralysis, uh, fear and sometimes the, the feeling of someone being in the room mm -hmm. simply by, you know, an electric charge. Sure. But even that doesn't necessarily wipe it out because then you get into that place. Well, what if the electricity is the base of the spirit that yeah. is you know, manifesting? Even at that point, you're saying like, look, by, by using an external force to very specifically act on the human brain, mm -hmm. again, using external factors that shouldn't occur in nature, we can make this thing happen that happens sometimes in nature. Yeah. It, <laughs> You're it's, like, it's all like right. The, the time travel TV signal coming from the future in, um, in uh, Prince of Darkness yeah, yeah, yeah. that you can only pick up in your dream. Yeah, yeah. It's like the, the fact that, you know, saying that like we can recreate this with very specific and peculiar um, forces doesn't doesn't feel like it discounts it. If any, if anything, that might lend it more credence than I would have had previously. Yeah, I, I mean, I think the only way we find out uh, whether this is truly supernatural or not is to put William Hurt in a um, float tank. I got monkey dick now. <laughs> oh God. Um, um, yeah, that one fucking terrifying, man. I'm also, I'm going to go full, uh, full fathom five for that one. <laughs> um, I'm going, uh, five out of five doorways that aren't there, but used to be. <laughs> yeah, that one got under my skin more than any story we've ever told on this podcast. I've been on so many times. Guys, I did it. I finally did it. <sighs> We're going to go commit seppuku now. <laughs> <laughs> five out of five smiling demons that have been haunting me for 35 years. <laughs> Ugh. Um, all right. Well, that being said, uh, I think we'll, we'll switch. All right. So, yeah, I'll do one that's maybe not the spookiest, but is interesting to me. Well, that's the most important thing. Um, the friendly oh. neighbor. Okay. So. Let's get into The Friendly Neighbor. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. A beautiful day in... Ah! <laughs> Postman Pat, no! Was that Mr. Rogers or was I that something else? Don't... I was trying to... It, honestly, all I remember of the characters on Mr. Rogers was there is a king who I thought was super creepy yeah. when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. And then there was a cat that I that like made me kind of question my gender identity a little bit. <laughs> as, as is the purview of any good cat. 
Well, that's it. So yeah. I don't know. I don't, I don't remember other humans being on that show. Yeah. The Friendly Neighbor. Back in the early 2000s, I moved in with a now ex-boyfriend. He lived in a bungalow-style house in one of the neighborhoods of a large Midwestern city. This happened when I was taking a personal day from work after moving in to finish getting things arranged and unpacked. It was mid-afternoon when the doorbell rang. Through the people, I saw a conservatively dressed woman. My guess was Jehovah's Witness, so I planned to say no thanks and get back to unpacking. Not today, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> I opened the door and got a better look. The woman was about my age, late 20s, and she had frizzy hair like a perm gone wrong. <laughs> Catty, I like it. <laughs> it was a nondescript brownish blonde and looked dry and damaged. All her style choices looked like those of a stereotypical grandmother. She wore a lightweight tan jacket a white turtleneck that looked like it had been washed many times, a long khaki shirt that buttoned up the front, and loafers styled like moccasins. All right. She was underdressed for a late November day. The only break with her style was shiny black aviator sunglasses. I couldn't see her eyes. It's a weird... All right. Up until the sunglasses, I, it was kind of just tracking, like, elementary school art teacher i was picturing yeah art teacher or like somebody in a catalog from the late 70s you know anybody in a catalog from the yeah late somebody 70s. trying to sell you like a caftan <laughs> <laughs> you know it's three pages from the leisure suits i opened the door but left the screen door closed they, they care about safety good move yep screens are impermeable <laughs> hi is scott home I started to say he wasn't home, but then my instincts started to kick in. Never say you're alone. Never, especially to anyone wearing aviators. Oof, or a caftan. <laughs> or a turtleneck, really. Ugh. I asked what she needed, and she held out a paper plate wrapped in foil. I made these for Scott. He helped me out the other day, and I wanted to thank him. All right. That almost made sense. Almost. Scott was a firefighter, and he had had a call to a house recently. But why would she bring them to his house? How did she find his house? Why was I instantly uncomfortable and panicked once I opened the door? Hmm. All good questions. Always trust your instincts. Kill her. <laughs> <laughs> so do you invite her in to kill her? Yes, that makes it more legally sound. I told her she'd have to give it to him at work. She asked if he was at work. I said she'd have to talk to him later at work. Fair. Just being cagey, not, not letting her know where he may or may not be. She asked when he'd be home. I said she'd need to speak to him. She asked if he was home. It was an endless loop, just like that sentence. Ugh. I noticed she had a jerky manner of talking. Like she had to move physically to speak. I don't like that. Finally, I broke the loop and said I couldn't talk to her anymore, and she'd have to leave. As I closed the door, she slammed her hand on the screen door and screamed, No! I closed and locked the door quickly. Almost instantly, there was a knocking at the back door. That didn't make sense. The backyard was fenced, and we kept the gate locked. The lot was long and narrow, so along with the locked gate, it took a little time to go from the front to the back. I ran to the back and peeked out. They misspelled peeked. Yeah. 
She was there, and now she was yelling that she knew he was home, and I had to let her in. Ugh. I looked at her out the back door. She clearly had a problem, and I didn't know if 911 was the best way to help or not. I'm going to go out on a limb and say it's never the best way. Anyway, they came and they shot her. <laughs> <laughs> live and learn. Not her. She won't live. Nope. But I'll <laughs> learn. learn. Yeah. yeah. The doorbell rang as I looked at her. Hopefully it was someone else. I went and looked out the peephole. There she was again. She gave me a big grin and the knocking started in back. Ugh. I marched to the phone. I don't like that at all. There were two of them, so I was sure this was a crime. And she was putting on an act. Police, a woman is bilocating. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a time crime division? <laughs> Get me Loki. 911 was my best bet. As I reached the phone, it rang. I expected it to be her, but it was our neighbors across the street. Oh, thank God. They were older, but not too much. He, Jim, was a retired cop. And she, Jenny, worked an office job in the city. She was off today and was just wondering if Scott and I would like to come for dinner. I cut her off, panicked, and asked if anyone was at my front door. She said no, and I begged her to double check. She asked me why, and I explained. Immediately, she got Jim on the phone. Jim told me he'd be right over and to go to the interior of the house away from the windows. All this time, the bell continued to ring at the front door, and there was knocking in the back. Eventually, it stopped. Jim yelled at the front door. It was him, and I could open up. He asked me a lot of questions, and then we had the following conversation I've never forgotten. If that thing ever comes back again, don't open the door. Jim, if she ever comes back again, I'm calling the police. Wait, wait. what do you mean that thing? I don't know what religion you are, but you should get something for protection and hang it by the door. Ugh. Don't talk about it again, either. Scott was as confused by it as I was. Scott was as confused by it as I was and didn't recognize her from my description. At first we talked about it, but then I noticed after he was talking to Jim one day, he didn't want to discuss it anymore. He was raised Catholic and a few days later, he hung a crucifix next to the door. He insisted it was just something from his grandma's house. He'd had a, a long time, and it reminded him of her. It reminds me of my grandmother and of not being home invaded by the devil. So, swish, swish. that seems good. Throw away those coal miners' pants. <laughs> Burn them. <laughs> I lived there for a little over a year, and nothing else happened. About a year after I moved out, Scott called me at work. He thought I'd want to know that Jim had died. During the call, we talked about old times, and Scott talked about how Jim had been so concerned about me after the incident. The same thing happened to Jenny late one night when they had just had their first child. I tried to take it beyond Jim's concern, but Scott said Jim had asked him never to talk about it, and he wanted to respect that. Since then, I've lost touch with Jenny and Scott. It wasn't until a few days after the call I realized it. Jim and Jenny were my parents' age. Their first baby is a few years older than me. 
That means the same thing happened to her in the 1970s. I still don't understand it. Spooky. Spooky. The the lack of context makes it more real because we shouldn't have it. When when it is a story, there's always going to be this uninformed kind of background where you just pull clues from. This weird thing happened. Um, yeah, it's, and we don't know, like, you know, it's like, it turns out they didn't move the bodies. They only moved the tombstones. So, mm. um, but the mundaneness of it, that it's like, it's just a smiley lady, a weird smiley lady uh, who what? hasn't aged in 40 years. Weird smiling man, main villain in Poltergeist 2. Yeah. See? Knocking at the door. There you go. You know what house is not clean? That one. Um, Especially after the the girlfriend moved out. (laughs) Scott's filthy. Scott's a dirty, dirty man. Um, uh, I like that one. I, I, it's it's a little bit rambly meandry. I think they, they should have made a point of, because when I read it, I'm like, okay, so Jim looked out and recognized the thing. Like Jim saw her there and was able to clock her. And that's why he told her like, if that thing comes back, don't let it in. Like, See, to me, I think it's the description. Like, they dealt with something knocking at the door, and here, and when he came over and she explained it, or yeah. explained it over the phone, I'm not sure he did see it. I think he may have seen it before, though, and yeah. saw how it presented to them. Yeah. He might not have seen Smiling Woman with Turtleneck. Sure. It could have been a, a gray, staticky figure whispering sure. sweet nothings in his ear. I don't worry, baby. Nobody puts you in the corner. <laughs> um, I like it more if it's the same. Like if if Jim, I'm that in my mind, Jim looks out, he sees the same woman, and he's like, "Don't ever let that thing in," because that that to me at least that makes it scarier when she finally pieces it together that like the woman was in her twenties. Like it's not like she was an old woman. Oh, you make a good point there. That like it. The, the, but, I mean, she couldn't have been around because it's the 2000s, right? Early 2000s. That, hence the creepiness. Like, yeah. what is this thing? Mm. Did um, they give us a location in the story? I don't remember. Nope. Just suburbia. General general place where people live. That, that kind of context even makes it a little scarier for me now. Yeah. Is one of the reasons the movie, I think, Paranormal Activity landed for mm-hmm. me was that it wasn't just a weird gross manufactured yeah. home in just some neighborhood doesn't have to be on top of an Indian cemetery yeah. or it's anything. the, it's the thing that like, that's why, you know, in, in the exorcist when it's just like, it's house, it happens in house. Right. Um, and yeah, like that, just the idea that, I don't know. It's always scary when something like this, you know, it can happen to you at home. I'm going to get, fucking brained by one of these chestnuts. Yeah. Um, I, I think the trees are throwing batteries at us. <laughs> Get out. <laughs> um, yeah. The, the, the creepiness of, of that, like that it's just a thing. And like a thing that scares me a lot, it's never like necessarily the ghostiness. It's, it's real life human incursion. Um, and specifically like, you know, Someone coming into your home, somebody knowing where you live, somebody trying to get in, and and then on top of that being not quite right. Like, they're at the front door, but they're also at the back door. Right. Um, 
I see what what gets me. I, I think why it gets under my skin the best is is the fact that it doesn't necessarily have to be supernatural, but yeah. that's the kind of the best read on it. Yeah. That another personal experience in that same time era I was talking about earlier uh, that I had. I had woke up from one of those terrible nights of interacting with Smiley. <laughs> And I was, I see, I, it's so fun that I can talk about this stuff openly now. Um, My evenings with Smiley. <laughs> <laughs> Tuesdays with Smiley. It's just screams. <laughs> so I'm sitting in my bedroom alone late at night. Mm -hmm. And I am just trying to communicate. You're alone. You're alone making bad choices. Go on. And I'm like, if you're there. Let, you know, let me know S some way three, just give me three of something and bam, 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 three knocks on the wall. And it fucked me up. Woke up my roommate, Sean. I was like, dude, I said, give me three. And I got three bangs on the wall and he jumped into it. We started talking about it, worked ourselves all up. And afterwards, now I afterwards, Sean goes to the phone. He's like, guess what I did? <laughs> I still don't know what gaslighting is, but I'm doing it to him. Yeah, I, I just picture my upstairs neighbor was hanging a painting on the wall. Nail, nail, nail. Timing sure. was because I probably did something like that two dozen times. And the only one that sticks with me is when there was a three correlation. Yeah, uh, thing about confirmation bias. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, um, I'm going to I'm going to give that one. Um, Two out of two, uh, that big. Two out of two terrifying women at different doors of my house. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, if we're going on a two scale, I'm gonna give that one uh, one out of two crucifixes hanging by the door because it reminds me of grandma <laughs> and of not being murdered by the devil. <laughs> Fair, yeah. Um, well, on that yeah. note. The spooky fire is dying appropriately because, you know, <laughs> the goth carrying it has walked out of the cemetery. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, the spooky only fans photo shoot and the fire that it caused <laughs> are, are burning low. Thanks to Portland fire, uh, fire response. Um, I'm still on hold with nine one one. They say that they're busy because we got defunded. Um, <laughs> uh, fucking idiots uh fuck the police um on that spooky note um i i, I would <laughs> imagine your audience is kind of a cab as it is i would assume so or at least s cab some cops are bastards <laughs> um scab yeah the the spooky fire is burning low um since you've been a guest so many times before we won't ask if anything spooky has happened to you recently because <laughs> It's the world. Um, but will I responsibly douse that fire that those um, OnlyFans ladies started? Uh, do tell people where they can find you in the coming months. I would be happy to. Thank you. Um, so as we are uh, in October and Halloween month, Avalon and myself host of local found footage, vintage video, retro review show, Forgotten Fantasies. boo ha, -ha Halloween spooktacu, extravaganza. <laughs> we both do it. <laughs> we yeah. both have issues with title brevity, I think is what I'm saying here. <laughs> <laughs> Long-winded. Um, 
Yeah. So uh, as we're uh, rolling into that, we this year are hosting our own music comedy art festival. It is uh, Forgotten Fantasies uh, Presents The Dark Arts, the festival of dark folk music, dark comedy and dark artworks. It will be over the Halloween weekend at Kelly's Olympian in downtown Portland running from 3 p.m. to midnight both days. We will have vendors from 3 p.m. to 6 p.m., art vendors on Saturday, VHS swap on Sunday, uh, live music acts, live comedians. Yeah, it's going to be tons of fun. Like, we have have great comics lined up, Um, you know, uh, Dan Weber, Ben Harkins, like appropriately spooky for the season. Like it's going to be. Yeah. Uh, Dan will be doing uh reading the Bible with Dan. Yeah. I think we're going to do a ghost story segment with comics. Yeah. Uh, Ooh, will have a live stage show. Yeah. Forgotten fantasies. VHS vengeance will be doing horror express. Uh, there will be a little bit of something for everyone and tickets are only necessary for the showcases on from 6 p.m so if it sells out and you don't grab up a ticket come on in earlier check out the swaps we'll be playing videos and having people on stage during that time as well yep it'll be it'll be a great hang um vaccine cards required yeah you're gonna need to be masked vaxxed and ready to fuck (laughs) (laughs) um yeah that last one is not actually a prerequisite but, and uh, it will be um, a limited number of tickets, so it is not too crowded and dangerous in there. Keeping the numbers, keeping the numbers safe. Um, you can buy daily tickets. You can come for the whole weekend. Um, it's going to be tons of fun. Come check us out, and um, yeah, check out the website. It is uh, darkartsfest.com. Yep, it's all on there. Um, and beyond that, uh, fire doused, ready to go. Um, Beyond that, you can uh, follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Pod. You can email us your own spooky tales at boohahapod at gmail.com. And until next time... Oh, is that how? <laughs> I, I was just hanging. <laughs> uh, run. Murder. Mayhem. Destruction of property. Wh- what are you doing? It's the new ad for Afternoonified. I heard the kids these days like those things. Okay, but we talk about more than just murder and mayhem. I mean, we also do science, there's paranormal, history, other weird stuff. Oh yeah, that's true. Okay. Murder, mayhem, history, science, basic civics sometimes. Afternoonified releases wherever you get your podcasts every Wednesday on the Sublo Media Network. 
for more podcasts like the one you just listened to, go to SoBelowMedia.com. This, this is as above, so below.